We'll be reading Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. As we normally do, I'll read verse 1, you join me on verse 2, and read every other verse with me. That's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 12. Matthew 5, 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness, Lord. Th Lord, thank you for the uh, service we had this morning, Lord, for the good preaching and how it spoke to my heart. I pray, Father, again, that you would meet with us tonight, Lord, and that you would speak to our hearts. I pray that, Lord, we would have listening ears, Lord, and a listening spirit, Lord, to hear what you would have us to do. I pray, Father, we would, we would be obedient and follow your will, Lord. Bless our preacher as he preaches now in Jesus' name. Amen.
All right. Uh, I think that's on. Probably is on. I believe it is. I'm going to uh, start tonight by showing a video that uh, I don't think you've ever seen. I, I don't believe so. It's a video of what we would present for our faith and family ministry as we traveled. And um, this video, it uh, coincides with what I want to teach about tonight. Hopefully I can get this up and working. You have to listen to the, the words of the, of the song that's in the background because the pictures and words go along together uh, with this. But you, I taught here some time ago in Matthew chapter 7. It's the house upon the rock. And we went through seven principles in Matthew chapter 7 on the house upon the rock. I'll, I'll reiterate those to you just in a second. I'll go through them, just list them very quick, those seven principles in Matthew chapter 7. But, uh, but really it starts with Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. And he concludes with Jesus saying, you know, if you basically, if you do what I just told you in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, then you can have a house upon the rock. If you don't, if you just heard it but you, didn't, you don't do it, you're going to have a house upon the sand. And so... Hopefully this will turn out the, the, the way I hopefully will, and uh, we'll have sound on this, fellas. I got it plugged up, so see how we do. Shut up. 
turn the lights back on. The first song that you heard, that was the, our daughters when they were very young. It was, a very, it was one of the favorite songs that I had. It was a dream that I had that we would build a house upon the rock. And that's what they sang about. Started out to build the house of my dreams. And that's the way we really started out in our marriage. You know, we're going to have everything that we dreamed of. But then God had a restart for us, and that restart for us was with God. And then his plan and what he did was he gave us some little girls, and we started to dream that one day that they would build upon the rock. The last song is also our daughters, and they're singing Standing Upon the Promises. 
And we picked that one because that's what we've been doing all these years, just standing on the promises of God. Now, that's a pretty old version. You know, we've got about half dozen more babies since then. And uh, the churches are, when it talked about Nate and Ken, the church has already been planted. It's, it's about two and a half years old now. They probably run, I don't know, 70 or 80 in their church. Got a new building and a lot of things uh, that have changed there. But, and uh, Matt and Amber had just married where her husband, Matt, had passed away and then she remarried. And that was the picture of them right after they got married. But now they've got two little ones of their own and and then Tara, our last one there, she has a, a little girl herself. She and Nate have a little girl. But When I started out this um, teaching, Matthew chapter 7, if you'll remember that we were talking about the house upon the rock in the latter part of Matthew chapter 7, it talks about that. It, it says that, therefore, whosoever, verse 24, Matthew 7, it says, therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them. I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not. For it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And God just says there's, there's two different options. You're, you, there's two different choices you can make. He said everybody, and we went through this the last time, everybody hears it, everybody heard the same message in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. He said, you all heard the same thing. He said, it's really going to hinge on do you believe it, do you do it? And I say believe it and do it because if you believe it, you'll do it. And very, very seldom do you do something you don't believe in. And so uh, now... In that Matthew chapter 7, we saw these seven principles. I'll just relay them as kind of a reminder. And, and uh, you know, you get temptation to re-preach the whole thing because you don't know who was not here then and, and have come in now. But uh, I said number one is a house built free of a condemning spirit is built upon the rock. And these are all principles that are taken from Matthew chapter 7. I'm not going to go through and re-preach it, but a house built full of, uh, free of the condemning spirit is built upon a rock. Number two, a home built on prayer is built upon the rock. Uh, a prayerless home is built upon the sand. And so, number three, placing unselfishly the needs of others above your own desires is, built, is a home built upon the rock. And, and what we, we need so desperately in this generation is an unselfish generation that we would meet the needs of others rather than trying to acquire for ourselves. And number four is a house built on true biblical principles is a house built upon the rock. It's very important that we look at the Word of God, discern the biblical principles, and then decide to live by them. Number five is a home where the fruit of the Spirit is present and evident is a, is a home built upon the rock. And the fruit of the Spirit, we go, went through those and, and the faith, I mean, uh, love, joy, meekness, goodness, temperance, and, and just going through the, those, the fruits of the Spirit. If they're present, it's, it makes for a wonderful home and a home built upon the rock. I said number six is right influences on your home is a home built upon the rock. We've got to to be careful of the, what we allow to influence our, ourselves and our children and uh, our spouse in our home. And then number seven was true salvation is a home built upon the rock. Religion is a home built upon the sand. 
So now what I'm going to do tonight, and, and I don't know how far I'll get because it's really a lot more points in it. I'll, I'm going to just go to a spot and stop kind of according to the time. But Matthew chapter 5, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to, we're going to take a look at this and we're going to just, again, kind of walk through it and see the, see the principles. He says, starting in verse 3, well, let us see in verse 1, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up to a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying. And so he's, he just gets up and just says, Jesus is going to teach them right now. He's going to, we call it the Sermon on the Mount, the preaching. And, of course, my preacher always said that, that, uh, that preaching is nothing but teaching with a tear in the eye. So it just means with a little bit more dynamics, a little bit more enthusiasm, I suppose, but... But, uh, but we see in verse 3, it says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the, we're just, again, walk through these. In the Old Testament, the poor were those who were completely destitute and needed God to supply every need. They had nothing. He said that these, these are blessed. Now, blessed means, and we, we won't keep redefining the word blessed. He said, but blessed means to be uh, ha- blessed or happy or fortunate or to have good fortune. Jesus is saying that these, I believe, that these are those who are spiritually and totally dependent on God. The poor, they have nothing but God. And you know when you have nothing else, you, you'll try to, you'll depend on God. You know, the problem with America today, truth is, is just too affluent. You know, we think, oh man, I'm not affluent, I don't have much. It's compared to your neighbor. Go to another country. Go to another land and see them. Go to watch them going day by day just to exist. Watch them when, as we were in Africa one time, a little boy in his eye, it looked like a golf ball under his eyelid. The man, it was swollen up so bad. And I looked at Michael and said, what, what's the deal? And he said, it's, we don't know for sure, but they don't have the money to take him to a doctor. And I said, man, I can't help everybody here, but we got to get this boy up there to the, to the clinic. I said, where's the clinic? And he told me where it was, and, and we scraped some money together. We went in there, and it wasn't real expensive but to get him in there, and we got some medication for him. And when I came back uh, the, the next time that I came there, that little boy was running around with his eye wide open, and Mike said, if it had not had that treatment, that little boy would be blind right now. Maybe would he, the infection had gone on inside of him and would have killed him. But that, that little boy is alive and he can see today in that village. Why? Because, you know, they, somebody provided a little bit, but, but that's the way they live. It was a simple antibiotic, but they didn't have the money for it. They don't have the wherewithal for it. They really, many of them never walk up, at, up that mountain outside of that, that lake. It's down, it's a small mountain, but, but you, you, they, just, they just don't come up out of there to go anywhere. They just, they live down there. That, they exist down there. But these people are totally, completely dependent on God. And it's amazing when, when everything else is wiped away, how we're just, God, I got to have you. Jesus is saying that these are those who are spiritually totally dependent on God. We are poor and destitute without the spiritual provision of God. Every one of us are. Without the spiritual provision of God. How important is God in our lives, our homes, our marriages, really? There's a a little subtle truth in here, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but that the Lord used the term kingdom of heaven here, not the kingdom of God. 
And, I, and I'm going to just be honest with you. I, I kind of struggle, under, I know, I believe what I know what they mean, but how the application of it, I'm not uh, always totally clear. But Jesus answered my kingdom uh, in eight, uh, John 18, 36. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. Notice that word now. In, in most of the new versions, they eliminate the word now. And now here's the reason they eliminate, eliminate the word now is because most of the new versions delete the word now because the writers are amillennial. And by that, in other words, they do not accept the literal return of Jesus Christ to reign on the earth for a thousand years as foretold in the book of Revelations. And so you eliminate the word now from that because what that's meaning is, is Jesus said, right now, I don't have a kingdom here right now, but I'm going to, I'm going to have a kingdom here. And so whatever the, the, the real application is, God saying the, these, and he's talking about these, the poor, they, they will inherit the kingdom of heaven. I believe this is talking about the thousand-year reign of Christ. Somehow, they're going to have some special place in the kingdom of heaven because they are completely destitute of everything else except God, and they're trusting in Him completely. Then, we understand that we are nothing, we must principally understand that we are nothing without God. We are unable to save ourselves, but our hope is in the Savior. Then we find a wonderful inheritance with the Lord in his millennial kingdom as a, as a Christian, as being saved. But also this attitude of humility toward God builds a wonderful house upon the rock. I think the whole thing is it's just this total yieldedness, this total inability to look at yourself and say, I, I can't do it, God. God, I've got to have you. And no matter how much money we got in the bank right now, we still need God. It can be, everything that we possess could vanish away that fast. I don't care. I, I know, I've known of people, and, and God bless them, but I've known of people that, that invested life savings and everything for their retirement into, into different investments, and, and just in a day, boom, gone. And that could happen to any one of us tomorrow's. We've got to trust and understand that we're really trusting in God. Number two, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. To mourn is the implication of sorrow over sin. This is that mourn. How often do we really just weep over our sin? Where we're brokenhearted over our sin. He said, blessed are they which they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Watch this. If I mourn over my sin, then you know what I'm doing? I, I'm repenting of my sin. I, I've got godly sorrow for my sin. And when I have godly sorrow for my sin, do you know how I'm comforted? God forgives me of that sin. He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. That's, that's pretty good comfort there because God cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And can I tell you, a home of confession is a home built upon the rock. When we regularly, uh, I had a, a missionary write me today, and he said, Brother Hooker, would you please explain to me? He said, do I have to confess my sin uh, every, every day? Or he said, is it truly all forgiven? And I wrote him back and I said, son, you're talking about two different things. 
Yes, your sin is, is, as far as salvation, it's been washed in the blood of the land. You are forgiven as as far as the east is from the west. Hey, listen, you're white as snow as far as your eternal life. I said, but son, your relationship daily with God depends on whether you allow sin in your life to remain. And I just wrote to him. I said, I said, look, buddy, you know I have daughters. And no matter what happens, no matter what they do, nothing can change the fact that they are my daughters forever. They are. I said, but listen to me. They can hurt, my, hurt their relationship with me. They can hinder their relationship with me by the, by the way they act or react toward me. And you know, and I said, but then they can make that relationship right by the way they come to me in godly sorrow, in sorrow of heart. And so a home where there's no confession is, is a, I believe, is a festering sore upon the sand. But a home of confession is a home built upon the rock. Now, first of all, we got to recognize sin in our lives in order to confess it. And uh, don't listen to the world. It really does. Sin still does exist, okay? So... Number three, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek are those that accept God's dealings with, with, in our lives. The meek is when we say, God, you're right, and whatever you do is right, I submit to that. There are the, these, these people, what I believe God's talking about, the real Romans 8, 28 people. These see the good in what God is doing and rely on God rather, they, uh, rather than their own strength to defend them against injustice. Meekness understands that when people are evil toward us, that God is allowing, watch this now, when people are evil toward us, that God is allowing them to inflict and afflict us. Why? Because God may be using it to purify us. But he will always deliver us. You see, the understanding that our world, our future, our possessions is coming in a world where Christ will rule and reign upon the earth, our possessions, our things are not here, so we can, we, we can really yield to God. And whatever has happened in our lives, that's a hard thing. But God says that, that blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. He just says, you know what? I, I, I'm going to bless those that just say, whatever you do, God, I'm okay. And that's a hard thing to do. Listen, you know, this whole thing, we went through this house for, for months and months. You know, Lord, you brought us here. I know you brought us to this house. I know you worked out everything, yet, but it's not happening. It's really hard. To, you know, at times you just kind of stop and say, okay, now time out. If you're going to make us move, if you're going to have us move, you brought us here for whatever reason. I don't understand it right now. If you're going to make us move, we're okay with it. I don't want to move again, God. <laughs> I don't want to load things again. I don't want to store things again. I don't want to go through this again. But if that's what you want, watch this. It's okay. And that's what my wife said. And so <laughs> this kind of positive spirit builds a house upon the rock. This spirit that says, it's okay. God's still God. Everything's under control. He's still God. It's okay. 
So God's teaching us the right kind of spirit. This kind of positive spirit is a house built upon a rock. Number four, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Look at this. Hunger and thirst is telling us how intensely we should desire God, his word, and his righteousness. You know, he's saying that we ought to desire God and his word and his righteousness like we desire something to eat. Like we, when we're hungry, we, we just get, man, their stomach starts gnawing, we just want something. Or we just, man, if you've really been that thirsty, a couple of times we would get to spots out there in the jungle down, down there at, in, in, in Ghana and, and you walk in and, and you know, we just run out of water. They sell you these little bags that you bite the end off of and drink the water. Or, uh, you know, and we'd just be without it. The bottle that I take, uh, took was, you know, empty and and can I tell you, you start hiking back up that mountain and, and your sweat is pouring and it's just pouring out. And of course, the condition I was in last time I did it, you start getting so dry that just, my goodness, it, it just, you're dying for it. And God says, you know, that's what I want you. I want you so thirsty for my righteousness. Desiring it so badly. Seek him and you will find him and his righteousness. We cannot be righteous, but we are made righteous through his righteousness. And so we seek his righteousness. Uh, we, this shall be filled is in what they call a passive voice. In fact, it's what they would, sometimes they call a divine passive, which means passive which means it's something that can only be accomplished by God. And that righteousness we're seeking is not just, okay, I'm going to do everything right. It's God, please fill me, use me, work through me because I need your strength and power to live in this ungodly world. This kind of righteousness he's saying you need to seek for, it can only be accomplished through God. I, can, I have to be willing but God has to fill me and use me to do it. We will see an example of this later when Jesus speaks of the fact that our righteousness would have to exceed the righteousness of scribes and Pharisees. This could only happen by having God's righteousness imputed to us. We will never have enough righteousness. He said that's why it's going to have to exceed the scribes and the Pharisees, man, they were the most righteous people living righteously, living people of the day. But he said, your righteousness got to exceed that. You know why? Because we got to have Christ's righteousness in us. A home, a marriage, a family built on true godly righteousness is built upon a rock. When we seek God and his guidance and say, Lord, you tell us what to do. You tell us, as I was trying to say this morning, let the spirit of God say, you know what? Turn that off. And listen to him when he says it. When he, when he says, you, you, you know, uh, don't go in there, then don't go. Amen. Don't talk that way, then don't say it. You know what I mean? And this, this is what, he, what God said. And when we live that way, we're building a house upon the rock. Amen. If we will let the Spirit of God speak, to, or after we've uttered it, when the Spirit, Spirit of God says, you shouldn't have said that to her. Now, he's never said that to me, but if, no. You shouldn't have said that to her if then we stop and say, here goes that deep breath again. I'm sorry. Everybody okay? All right. 
I always, you know, about halfway through it, I think, does anybody understand anything I'm saying right now? But here we go. When we fail to desire righteousness, we have a house built upon the sand. And a, a house that's not be, built on the righteousness of God, by, by that I mean God speaking to us, God directing us, God, us listening to God and listening to his word and seeing in the word of God where he teaches us how to live and, see, and listening to the spirit of God when he convicts our heart. If we don't do that, we're a house built upon the sand. All right, number five, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The merciful are those who have a compassionate, forgiving spirit. Those who are merciful also receive mercy from God. Matthew 6, 14 says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Clearly, the scripture says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. To sow mercy in the home is to reap mercy in the home. You say, man, I just, you know, maybe it's kids in here. I wish they just had more mercy on me. Maybe it's your job. You think I wish my boss would have more mercy. If we have mercy, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And we need to have mercy. But when we're talking about home, and especially in the marriage uh, we need to have mercy with each other. We need to be merciful, compassionate, and forgiving toward each other. Who wants to be honest here? Your spouse has ever said something that upsets you. Did you got, got both hands up, huh? Well, just don't stick your leg up. All right, now. She's up here like, come on. Anybody really? You ever... Your spouse has said something that upsets you? Every day. Who said every day? <laughs> it does. I mean, we, we're human. We're flesh. And we need to be yielded to the Spirit every moment of our lives. But simple truth is we're not. And we say things and we react and watch this, fellas, even if you said it exactly this way yesterday and it was okay, tomorrow it won't be. She always says, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And I said, yeah, but it has something to do with how you hear it too. Come on. All you had to do is just say it this way. Oh, no, I tried it that way once before. <laughs> and that didn't work. A home of mercy is a home built upon the rock. And I hope my home has mercy or I'm going to get hit with a rock. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's better than a pan. All right. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they... Now, to me, honestly, I kind of believe this is twofold. Number one, it could be a true believer in heart will one day see God in all his glory. If you're trusting Jesus Christ, you're going to see him. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but we shall see him as he is. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. 
and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And it says, every man that hath this, hath this hope in him purify himself, even as he is pure. You know, when we have this desire uh, to see God and we see God through a pure heart and we have this desire to see God, that helps us have a desire to purify our hearts. It's, it's, it's a circular thing. Every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Uh, so we, we, we have a pure heart. We have that desire to have a pure heart. Then we begin to see God. And as we begin to see God, then we have a desire to purify our hearts even more. And so that leads me to the second point. And the first one is, is if you trusted Christ and, and your heart is pure in the sense that you have the righteousness of Christ on you. And so when you stand before God, he's not seeing your sin. He's seeing Jesus' righteousness through you. So, but the other thing is that maybe here on this earth, the pure in heart in this present day will also see God through the word of God and through the works of God. And, and as you purify your heart and get closer to God, you, you began to see him in everything. You know, there's some of you that, that you know, a, a year ago we weren't, weren't in church and, and, and weren't seeking God and, and, and uh, you saw probably uh, uh, maybe negative or evil in a lot of things. And today uh, you're going through things and through life and through marriage and through situations and, and, and it's amazing how now all of a sudden you see God in it. You think of a verse of God. You think of an, an encouragement from the preacher that he preached because you remember it. Well, and you think, you know what? That's what the preacher said. You know what? I, that's what he read this morning. And you start, you start to think about God in your life, in your home, in your marriage. Your thoughts are about God. And the more you think about God, the more you desire to purify yourself so you be closer to God so you can think about him more. Amen. <laughs> ah. I'm going to one day stop yelling. All right. I really never plan to get loud. It just happens. <laughs> but as I said, the, uh, I just believe if it's real in your heart, it ought to explode out your mouth. I call it, you just ought to vomit, you know? So I'm just vomiting on y'all tonight. No. A home seeing and understanding the works of works and the word of God is a home built upon the rock. When you, when your home, man, that's why, uh, folks, I uh, challenge you, and maybe we can start maybe collecting something, but, but put the word of God on your home. Put, put someplace that those, uh, you know, get those little rub on stickers or whatever, if you can find a King James, uh, but put, Put you know, on, your, on your room and put in your, you know, on the front of our house one of the things that we, that we got. And it wasn't even our house yet, but it's our house now. <laughs> and so we put on, on there a little, little metal thing on the front of it that says, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know what? Put it up there. Put the word of God there. Keep your heart and mind thinking the word of God. Uh, have a Bible laying out over here. But you know, look, when you lay Bibles down, if you lay them around, lay them open. Amen? Lay them open. And then when your wife comes and closes it, lay it back open, fellas. Be the man. All right? No, just, 
you know, we need to have the Word of God around. We need to have the Word of God in our home, and we need to be thinking that, that direction. And, and, and the more we think about God, the more we think about His Word, the more, we, it'll, more that we'll desire to live more of a pure life, which will allow us to see more, which allows us to want to be pure more. So it's just a cycle. Number seven, and I'm going to stop on seven because it's seven. Number seven, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Boy, you almost don't even have to talk about this one. Blessed are the peacemakers. How would that affect a home? To be a peacemaker is ultimately to be one who desires to bring reconciliation to the situation rather than revenge. Did you hear that? A peacemaker wants to bring reconciliation to the situation. This is godliness, and, wouldn't, and, and I believe this, this desire to be a peacemaker, uh, and therefore that person, that person who desires to be a peacemaker and is a peacemaker, it says, you know, if you really are a peacemaker in your home, in your church, in your society, in your work, if you're a peacemaker... Well, look what it says. They shall be called the children of God. You know, we don't need to fight with people. It's just, there's very little we need to conflict about. Very little. Now, there's going to be some things, you know, as the world goes that you have to take a stand on. But, but we don't have to be at everybody's throat. Every, you know, let me give you my opinion. Let me tell you what I think. You know what? Most of the time, it don't matter what you think. You know, especially if you're talking to me. No. no. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God who hath, listen to this, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. You know what? You know how you reconcile people? Make peace. Make peace. That's why we shouldn't carry bitterness. That's why we shouldn't carry, look, that's why we should not carry grudges. That's why we shouldn't hold a grudge or keep it, look, let it go, folks. Relationships are more important than a few words. Relationships are more important than, than some incident. Relationships are more important than a dollar. Just God says, you know how to be known as a child of God? And wouldn't it be good if you could be known as a child of God by your wife? Known as a child of God. Where, where they say, none of us are perfect. But she's definitely God's. Because nobody else would have her. No, the uh, <laughs> she, she, she. <laughs> That ain't funny. All right. No, the truth is, is that that it's being a peacemaker screams God's all over you. It really does. 
It's just, it's something about it just, it just comes out. God's all over you. And, and the Lord's just teaching. These are, we made it through seven, and there's a bunch more here on this one, but a peacemaker at work, at church, but mostly what God's talking about is a house upon the rock. And primarily, I believe he's talking about the marriage, the family, that institution. But it always, the marriage and the family, the home always parallels with the church. So be a peacemaker. We always said of Candace, our number four daughter, she's the peacemaker. Now, she's oblivious to everything that goes around her, but she, she really does. She was she's a little girl. She just, there could be, you know, World War III going on in the house, and she's just walking around. But if she saw her sisters arguing with each other, she just wants it to stop. She doesn't even understand what's happening. She just wants it to stop. If mom and dad are upset at each other, she doesn't know why. Just stop. No, it never happened again, but just stop. <laughs> just don't do it. But you know what? You know what Candace means? A queen. And I just, so many times I thought, man, that little thing, that's their little spirit. A peacemaker is kind of that royalty with God. God says, that's maybe the most wonderful thing because when you are a peacemaker, he says, everybody knows you're my child. You're mine. That's pretty amazing. So, There they are, seven points. I don't know what, I know this is probably more like a Wednesday night message, but and I, I have so much more that I won't go on into, but if we're to become a home, a family upon the rock, we must sincerely believe and attempt to reconcile situations. Reconcile with each other. Reconcile others to Christ. We need to be and understand that ours is a ministry of reconciliation and that's a ministry of peacemaking. So, I just want to ask you, we go through these really quickly and I'll just recite them to you, but as we do, would you ask the Holy Spirit, is there any place that we might, God might want us to work on it. As we look at it, this humility toward God builds a wonderful house upon the rock. Do we have humility in our home? It says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Do we have a home built on confession? Do we really say to each other and to God, God, I'm sorry, I was wrong. Do we, it says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Do we really have a kind, positive spirit in our home. So blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they should be filled. Do we have a home, a marriage, a family built on true godly righteousness, which is built upon the rock? Blessed are the merciful, for they should obtain mercy, or a home of mercy. Are we merciful, giving grace to those within our home? 
Blessed are the pure in heart. Are we seeking to know God and they're seeking to live for God in our home? And blessed are the peacemakers. Are we seeking to reconcile situations in our home? All I can ask is that you might ask God. If you're here tonight and, you know, we have the ministry of reconciliation and a big part of that reconciliation is when we as Christians reach out to those who may not know for sure they're going to heaven to help them to reconcile them back to Christ, to bring them to God. If you're here today and you don't know for sure you're going to heaven, we'd love to be able to help you to do that. If you struggle with peace in your heart because of some hurt or some bitterness, we'd love to be able to help you counsel, take you to the Word of God and help you with that. If you just need to be part of a church, we'd love to have you do that and come to talk to us about joining our church or if you need to be baptized, to be baptized. But mostly tonight as we look at this, and I keep coming back to this last one because I think it sort of encases so many of the others. Are we seeking to make peace? Do we really humble ourselves to make peace? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless.